Welcome to the Editor's Note Comics Podcast. I think that this world, it needs men that are willing to make the hard call. Central Maine's best comics podcast, by default. Ain't no thing like me, except me. Here are your hosts, Zach and Jared. Matt's coming. No. When do we start? Hey, welcome back. Has it stopped raining yet? No. Okay. No, we live in a monsoon. Okay. It's monsoon season here in Maine. Yeah, for the last month. And it's going to continue. It's, believe it or not, only the 15th wettest June here in Maine. Have we ever talked about on the show how I told you for years, like, just get into meteorology? Yeah, but do you know there's a lot of complicated math involved in that? Yeah, but, like, whenever there's a weather-related thing, about 20 solid people, at a bare minimum, can be prepared for your weather updates. Well, it's part of my small talk algorithm that I wrote. <laughs> Uh, this week's movie, The Titanic. Oh. Uh, you see, uh, this, it's kind of, I guess this could have been a news thing I'll just say here, that um, Netflix is like re-releasing it and like making it like, look at this. And I've seen some search data The 1997 stuff. James Cameron Titanic? Yeah, a lot of people are looking up that movie right now, and a lot of people are watching it, and Netflix is also getting a lot of flack for like, this isn't the news. Yeah, please look at this. <laughs> yeah. Um, for way cheaper than $250,000 a trip. Boy, I've... Not not related to that. You couldn't get me to watch Titanic again. No interest in ever revisiting that movie. It's been a while. I probably haven't seen it since high school, but I'm... That's a long time. I don't want to go back. I didn't like it. It's too goddamn long. What what didn't you like about it? I'm just bored. Because you were, like, young and uncultured. I bet you could go back and give it a rewatch. There's probably some really good... There's a, I mean, in line with this week's topic, this week's um thing that we're covering, it did change the way movies are made in a sense. Hey, that one I did see in theaters, though. I saw that in 97. I did as well. Back first, in the day. One of the first, uh, was the first movie in the theaters I saw that had a topless woman in it. Cool. All right. <laughs> All kinds of stuff happening this week. We got the news. We got two episodes of Secret Invasion, one of Star Trek, the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park, a little bit of sports, and your questions. Mm. Hey, if you want to jump around, time codes are listed down below, especially for that Secret Evasion stuff, because that's just going to be full spoilers, and basically everything to talk about in that show is a spoiler. So take that as your fair warning. Yes, you've been warned now, and you'll be warned again. Let's jump straight into the news. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? It's time for the news. Well, let's start off with some good news, because it's all downhill from there. Oh, geez. Wow. Literally every piece of news is bad this week, except for our opener. So why are you picking all this bad news? Why can't we just have... If there's... You'll see. You'll see. Oh, fine. Look, if there's positive news, I'd take it. All right. Well, no, I'm just saying the negative news. I I sit here with bated breath and await your negative news. Well, casting has happened for Superman Legacy. We have our new Lois and Clark. Okay. First up, uh, Lois Lane is going to be played by Rachel Brosnahan, who just got off of starring in uh, five seasons of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think that might be the only thing I've seen her, and she's good. I like her. So mm -hmm. no complaints there. And the other guy. The other guy. You mean well, Clark Kent? Yeah. You mean Superman? You mean the star of the movie? Uh, going to be played by an actor named David Cordsent. I haven't seen him in a single thing, so I have no opinion. I have no idea who the hell that is. Yeah. I mean, he looks the part, you know, square jaw, dark hair. Okay, cool. Like good cheekbones. Good cheekbones. Does he have the little curly hair in the front? No, that, that match that would be done um, for the movie. And they aren't based in casting. It's like, can you curl the front of your hair? Well, I think that would be a critical thing to be able to do. Yeah, I've never seen this kid in anything. Although I do uh, greatly dislike that he's way younger than me. <laughs> I started typing in David Cordeson. It's David Cordeson IMDb, then David Cordeson height, David Cordeson age. It's 29. Oh, it's right out of central casting. It's like a it's a junior Henry Cavill. 
Yeah, that, 100%. A, a lot of people are saying like he was just kind of like a younger lookalike, but I, I haven't seen him in anything. I was just like, oh my god, Su- oh. Superman is younger than me now. Yeah, well, it happens. We've entered a sad time. I mean, he's younger than you in Earth years, but not uh, necessarily in Kryptonian years. It's like when they talk about sports, they're like, look at this old, third, this ancient thirty-year-old. I'm like, how dare you? You've been saying that to me for years. <laughs> they're over the hill now. I'm like, shut up. I can still run with the best of them, except I can't on this busted calf. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I got, for anyone who slightly cares, I uh, tore my calf, healed it, then I tore it again, and I haven't been able to do any running since then, but uh, was out for a walk with the dog earlier, and then suddenly it turned into a run. Mm, did you tear it again? No, thankfully. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, this better not go. Have you thought about not playing basketball <laughs> again? Because that's where it happens. Never. Ball is life. The ball of the calf muscle you ripped is your life. All right, so that's uh, the good news. I what they tore your calf muscle? N- again? Yes, yeah, that's great. Your, great your news for anemius. Look, he now he hobbles everywhere. Great, yeah. Casting, I, I like the Lois one. Superman guy looks like Superman, but don't know him as an actor, so no opinion on like how he'll be. All right, all right. Now <laughs> you're ready for this shit storm. I mean, it's a, okay. Let's start off with uh, the Flash. Yes, the Flash. I mean, it had a terrible opening weekend. Didn't even send the box office for more than a week, like the top of the box office. Correct? No, Spider Man took it back over. Yay! In its second weekend, and I forget what number it dropped to number three. I forget what number two was now. Oh, um, was it that new Jennifer Lawrence movie, No Hard Feelings, mm, or something like maybe. that? Maybe it might have been. I don't remember. But so typically, when we talk about movies um, in your second week drop, usually what you see is fifty percent, which you know sounds that always sounds bad when you say it out loud. But that's really the reality for most movies. Yeah. You, you'll see a fifty percent drop in week two. The Flash had a seventy-one percent drop off of an already terrible opening weekend, and now oh boy, there's more. Well, do you remember how Batgirl got written off as a tax write-off, like ninety million dollar tax write-off? Yes. So they weren't going to lose that money because uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is still like four hundred and fifty billion in debt. Four hundred fifty billion with a B in debt. Or, or, sorry, forty-five billion. Oh, but forty-five billion with a yeah, B. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It turns out that they would have lost less money if they had done that same thing with the Flash. If they just written that as a tax write-off versus like doing the reshoots, having it be a two hundred million dollar movie plus marketing and all that that they're not going to make back. It would have been cheaper for Warner Brothers just to never release the movie. Wow hilarious uh sounds like uh washington j frog is out of a job i guess we can just continue down the uh warner brothers discovery road oh boy uh, they're also selling off half their music that they own so this is like the music to batman this is prince's music they're trying wow. to sell off half their music for 500 million dollars you know what when people need money they have yard sales <laughs> that's basically what they're doing like well we're still you know 45 billion in debt Time, time to sell Prince's catalog. Yeah, for just five hundred million. So it's not even. Like, That's a steal. I know it's it's not even a dent. What nobody wants to buy those ninety nine cent cassette tapes from them? Just crazy, just crazy stuff. Our buddy David Zaslav is just burning this company into the ground. Also, um, he gutted TCM this week. They're still around, but uh, TCM Turner Classic Movies yes. had a staff of, like of ninety people down to twenty. That's classic. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, and Scorsese all like had like an emergency phone call with him. Like, you need to save this. Like, this matters. And now apparently they're going to be like programming the content for it. For Turner Classic Movies? Yeah. Why don't they just buy it? Because they don't own the catalogs of the stuff to play. Oh, that's a good point. Well, they can own Princess Music for $500 million. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, after all that this week, at least Warner, Brother- Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav was at least rewarded by... Um, being added to the Academy of Motion Pictures. Oh, like, arts and sciences. Don't forget those two critical today. parts. Yes. So like, 
huh, that was a weird choice. I mean, they, they added like 400 members. Uh, it ended up um, being more women and um, underrepresented groups than it was men. So take that as a positive. I mean, that's it's still a very skewed uh, group, but at least for this year's new inductees, but it's like, and also this jackass. Maybe he needs to learn the art of running a motion picture company <laughs> and the science of mathematics. I mean, also, we're going to see by midnight on June 30th, if the screen actors are going to strike, they have until midnight on June 30th. Oh, in conjunction with the writers? Everyone has their own thing. Um, writers are on theirs. Uh, the Directors Guild, had um, they were able to cut a deal. Who are it, they making the deal with? The studios? Yeah. Okay. And then the Screen Actors Guild is the next one up. But like, okay, so like you can keep directing stuff. But I imagine if the Screen Actors Guild strikes, like things that'll get resolved quick. Because right now, they're working off of the fumes of like, okay, we already have stuff in production. We'll just keep going with it. But if Screen Actors Guild strikes, then every production shuts down. Yeah. It's like, okay, great. You have directors, but like, what are they going to direct? Like, fucking traffic? Nothing. I liked that joke. There's a good movie. Direct traffic? No, the movie traffic. Okay. (laughs) That's already been directed, Zach. Just enjoy it. Did you come up with that on your own? Yes, I did, just now. You know what? I approve. It was, you know what? Of all the jokes you've had on the show, that might be in your top five. (laughs) So, I mean, that's coming up. And that's an original? I just said it was. Okay, just double checking. Just double checking. (laughs) Watch like 800 other people have already said it. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, that's a clever thing. Has anyone else ever thought of this? And then I'll Google it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was not the first. <laughs> how can we definitively prove that, you know, when you think about things like that, when funny things are said, how do you definitively prove that who the first person to ever say that was? Or like, did a bunch of people say it at the same time? Like, who invented the joke? Why did the chicken cross the road? Also, it's not really a funny joke at say, all. That joke sucks. It's not a good one. It's not as funny as my other favorite joke. Why was the old man sad? Why? Because somebody hit him with a brick. All right, do you, want, do you want one joke? Yes, I want one joke. <laughs> a hairline, but not very long. Man and the wife are driving down the freeway. Mm-hmm. They're having a conversation. Man admits to his wife that he's been cheating. Wife leans over, cuts his dick off, throws it out the window. It hits the car behind them. The father and daughter. Daughter goes, Daddy, what's that? It's like, uh, it's a bug. It's a bug. She goes, wow, that bug has a huge dick. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a classic. <laughs> That's a classic. Ugh. Love it. Just, just good times. <laughs> that, that mosquito has a huge cock. I guess take your own variation yes. on it. So also because of the screen actors uh, potentially striking for Comic-Con coming up this year, San Diego Comic-Con, uh, Netflix isn't doing anything. Disney's not doing anything. That means Marvel's not doing anything. Yeah. HBO's not doing anything. Because if they go to like these big like Hall H events, like 8,000 people theater, and they have zero actors to promote it, they got nothing. Mm. It's like, and here's the cast. Well, no, they can't come out. It's like, okay. Here's an associate producer. Do you want to hype this upcoming Marvel show that may or may not be happening at some point? No, they got nothing. So Times are tight in the Hollywood, huh? Everyone's pulling out of Hall H because they don't think... I mean, not everyone yet. There's still a couple of companies that have it, but it looks like some people are like playing the waiting game. Could we like see if we can get into Hall H and like do a podcast in front of those people? I don't think it would work. <laughs> I mean... Like, look, two people. Yeah, doing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's the From whole. Maine. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of all the um, the Warner Brothers slash screen actor stuff that's coming up. Some things also disappeared this week. One of them is off the release schedule. I'm like, oh, no, not this movie. Uh, El Muerto, the Spider-Man spin-off Sony movie that was going to involve a character I've never heard of before. El Muerto? Yeah, that was being played by Bad Bunny, has been removed. I'm like, gee, what are the chances? Hi. Uh, yeah, a terrible idea. And they can't get anyone to actually like get involved with this movie. Oh, no, not El Muerto. We were all so looking forward to it. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing that was coming. So oh, we talked about it when it happened, but or when it got announced. But yeah. So that's how much I was invested in it yeah. then and now. 
it's a character who's only been in like a handful of issues by a handful i literally think under five like did i ever read his appearances i don't know if i did i certainly have no memory of it like if i but if i'm going i don't even know who that is that's not a good sign no no it's not so yeah no el, el muerto has been removed from the schedule so i would assume that also will be removed forever adios el muerto <clears throat> adios barely knew ya. Okay, and then this one's kind of screwed up, because everything in streaming is awful and weird right now. Uh, Paramount Plus and Showtime are merging. Okay, cool. Oh, that, okay, yeah. Great. Uh, now I'm going to be able to watch Showtime stuff. Are they going to call it Paramount Time or Show Plus? I don't even know if... I think it's just like Paramount Plus with Showtime or something. It's not like super creative. But like, uh, I really wanted to watch Confess Fletch. That was only on Showtime. I'm like, ooh, now I can watch Confess Fletch. But at like, what cost? Like Chevy Chase Fletch? I mean, off the book series, yes. Yes, okay. This time, it's John Hamm. Ah, how excited are you for that? I mean, this is coming at kind of a crazy cost. So, uh, this end of last week, the Paramount Plus goes, hey, we're going to be removing uh, four shows. Like, we've canceled four shows, and they're going to be removed from our streaming service pretty soon, uh, including Star Trek Prodigy, which is had a two-season order. The second season was almost completed. By the way, season one also ends on a relatively big cliffhanger, including, like, cast characters where we know, like, Chakotay is lost in the future like enslaved oops and janeway and this like new cast of characters are going to go get them yeah i mean they say they're looking for a new home but they announced this and said hey the show is canceled all these shows are canceled these four shows they're going to be removed soon less than two days later not good gone not good gone wiped from the streaming service and then after that like a day after that or are they hosting us on GeoCities that they can't like have the space on their server? Just cost cutting. Oh, well. It's all cost cutting. And then they cut another over twenty other movies and TV shows the day after that, just gone. Including, and this is the funny one, Inside Amy Schumer, which I, I never saw or anything. But that show had gone away for like six years before coming back for this last season. And they were promoting it so heavily, like literally the day they removed it from the streaming service. They still had it. It was in contention for Emmy nominations. It was like the last day that like it could be voted on to be like for an emmy or not and they just took it off the service wow well that's not good yeah i have no idea like this... i mean no one knows how how all this streaming stuff is gonna shake out it, it's so weird this dour news matches the drab and dank outside of the day <laughs> i mean on the plus side because we've had all this rain it's kept all the wildfire smoke away from us that's a good point it's suppressing the wildfire smoke so that's the silver lining on that very rainy cloud Yes, it also reduces the chances of me accidentally setting somebody's yard on fire next week when I light off fireworks in your front yard. It's my favorite annual tradition. I hate it. (laughs) That's why. I know. I think that's part of why you like it. Oh, I don't like it. I love it. Last year, you shot off one that had a little parachuting like army man in Mm -hmm. it, got stuck in a tree. It's still there, and it's too impossibly high to ever get down. My favorite part about that is I know for a fact that every time you come home, you look up and you're like, God damn it, it's still there. <laughs> so every day you think of me. Yes, in the most positive light. Does it matter? You're still thinking of me every day. It makes it brings me great joy. And then you send me a reel on Instagram. Once every couple days. <laughs> I can't remember the last one I sent you, but it was funny to me. Me either. Don't worry, you'll get another one tonight. I'm sure I will. Do you ever laugh out loud at those? I'm sure that there's been a couple that have I found amusing. I mean, but like you said the other day, you're never going to respond because you don't want to encourage the behavior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just here to bring little bits of joy into your life every day. So that's it. That's the news. Wow. Well, at least it was short. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of nothing. Everything's falling apart, mostly because of streaming and AI. We'll talk more about AI later. Oh, there's wow. Oh, okay, Alan Iverson. Oh, practice. We're talking about practice that was funny i remember that too yeah it's big it's a big 90s it's a big 90s show this week 
right. Uh, so we're going to move on from uh, that just dour <laughs> yeah, bit of information. Cranky. It wasn't cranky. Sad. I'm just talking the news in general. <laughs> I mean, none of this thrills me. I mean, the Flash losing that much money is kind of funny, but it was. I don't, you, I don't want it to fail. Would you say that money was gone in a flash? No, I'd say it was gone over a long, arduous period because of how long it actually took that movie to happen. Also, imagine that. So, I mean, they're just talking about the cost of the movie. They still had to spend a bunch of money before that thing got into production over, like, the nine years it was in development hell. So, if you, like, divide the money out over nine years, it's, you know, not bad. Said, that was just the budget for the movie, though. But, like, getting people on that project, people leaving, hiring different scriptwriters, like, all this other stuff. Like, everything that went into that. Well, think about all the money they saved on not having to fly, you know, Michael Keaton and Ezra Miller around to do press for the movie <laughs> just saying all right so we're gonna move on from there to weird comics facts here are some weird comic facts prepare accordingly i'm gonna make some weird shit it's pretty freaky but it's safe this is actually one of my favorites oh boy no it, it's we oh this one's weird baby <laughs> there's been some weird ones and i'm not even gonna i'm skipping like kind of the middle of this story too ah. because we're talking uh, secret invasion we're gonna bring you my favorite scroll facts Okay. Or this like long interconnected thing. So the scrolls were first introduced way back in Fantastic Four number two in nineteen sixty one, Stanley Jack Kirby. The issue like they're here to invade Earth. Ah. Mm. The issue ends with the scrolls getting tricked into turning into cows and Reed Richards uh, hypnotizes them into losing their memory. So they just think they're cows. I see where this is going. I don't think you do. You can't possibly see where this is going. Did they eat them as cows? Like I- hamburgers? That does eventually happen. I do like hamburgers. I'm skipping the middle part. I do like steak. When they were unturned into cows and then returned into cows. That was the thing that happened. How weird is it that steak and hamburger are the same animal? It's not that weird. (laughs) But like, they're both delicious. Great. Something must die so I can live. So then during the Kree Squirrel War, uh, they get turned back into squirrels and then back into cows again. But then the town they're in, yes, you are correct. They get turned into hamburger. Oh, no. Do the people eat the hamburger and then turn into squirrels because they ate squirrel burger? Have I talked about this before? No, but I'm just guessing. Yeah, uh, so it affects uh, this town. People get sick. Some of them get uh, superpowers, which like turn them like into scrolls, or like their worst fears. It's weird. Is there scroll milk too? There is. There is also scroll milk. Is it blue? No. Okay. But then uh, some of these people in this town. This is the '90s, by the way. Because they've gotten scroll powers, it's also killing them. Like they've been poisoned. So before they die. They decide to go out on a mission and kill as many scrolls as they can that are on Earth. Yeah. And they call themselves the Scroll Kill Crew. And they have a lot of guns because it's the 90s. I need guns. Lots of guns. That's it. That's a weird comics fact. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> they were cows and then they were angry former cow people that want to kill people. Just wild stuff. I also like to pick up on that like plot thread from like the early 60s. You'd be like, you know what? Those cows got eaten. You know what? Now they're the Scroll Kill Crew. <laughs> Not to be confused with two live crew. Oh, my God. I just love that whole little wow. arc of them. Also, that middle part where they got back into regular scrolls, and they're like, you know what? We like to be in cows. Turn us back to cows. <laughs> Oops, we're hamburger. I guess so. Uh, hmm. Transitions, you say? Yeah. From scroll burgers to 4th of July hamburgers, which is all American like baseball, it's time for Jared's sports reports. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. Bare tested. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. It's time for another Jared Sports Report. I hated that. That's okay, though. All right, sport away. Well, I mean, it's better than some of the transitions that you've had in the past. I'm just saying. Of the few hundred I've made up. Theme. Some of them are going to. I say theme. Fall apart. 
Oh, by the way, before I jump into the sports reports, I was at the Barber yesterday, and I was both very proud of myself that I was able to identify the episode of The Simpsons that was on within 30 seconds, and then it made me think of you. What episode was it? Uh, That was Monorail. Oh, yeah. It was literally... Written by... Conan O'Brien. It is indeed. Yes. Um, Monorail, Monorail. Yeah, it was. The, I knew it as soon as they. It was. I walked in and they were rolling burns into the courtroom. I'm like mm, monorail, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, the big one, how do we? Mighty. How do we? How do we? Jeez, how do we uh, use this money? How about a billboard that says "No fat chicks"? <laughs> Fix Main Street. The popcorn truck gag never gets old. Anyway, Leonard Nimoy's in there. Yes, yeah, I love it. All right, any, that has nothing to do with this. No, but I mean, uh, you know, something upbeat and positive before we talk about the mediocre socks. Okay. Red Sox are 40 and 40. Uh, trail the Tampa Bay Rays by like 13 plus games. However, they're only like three games out of the wild card spot. So, and it's still June. So, plenty of time. You know, the Sox are being asked with the trade deadline coming up in a month's time at the end of July, August 1st is the trade deadline. Are they going to be buyers or sellers? Chime Bloom, uh, the GM, is like, well, we'll see where we're at when the month of July is over. So, big month coming up for the Red Sox. Which also includes Chris Sale on the 60-day injured list. He's getting an MRI on his shoulder. So there's that. Speaking of Red Sox, I met a couple of uh, former oh, Red that's Sox. Right, you yes, did. Uh, Kevin Millar, yep. one of my all-time favorites. Uh, my buddy Sterling actually was there. He was playing in the group with Kevin Millar. I was like, I wish I had $6,500 to play in that. Woo-hoo! But it all goes to the Barbara Bush Children's Hospital. So still a chunk of change. Yep. Uh, met him. Saw Roger Clemens. He mm-hmm. was there. He's a big dude. Large man. See other Tim Wakefield was there. Tuka Rask. You listed all these people last week. Yeah, but I actually met them. Okay, great. So that was cool. Uh, I think Ronnie Williams won the event. I can't remember, but uh, actor Michael Pena was there. Ah, cool. Yeah, he was pretty uh, pretty chill. So all in all, a good day for the uh, good week for Barbara Bush Children's Hospital and the uh, Drive for Kids uh, first ever charity event in Maine. They're hoping to bring it back again next year. Seemed to be very positive, and uh, it seemed like a lot of the celebrities would come back and do it again. So, uh, good week in Maine sports in that regard. Uh, I'm trying to think of other important sports news. NFL training camps will be opening up in about five or six weeks. So, you've got that coming up for four or five weeks. Somewhere along those lines, the Patriots continue to be the front runner for DeAndre Hopkins. At least that's what the reporting is. That'd be a big grab, a big get for Mac Jones and the offense which uh, a lot of the offseason moves seem to be around getting guys to help him, at least on that side of the football. Uh, some sad Patriots news to pass along. One-time Patriots backup quarterback Ryan Mallett uh, unfortunately passed away in a drowning incident in Florida mm. over the weekend. So uh, kind of sent some shockwaves across the NFL world. Uh, Mallett spent a couple of years in New England, was uh, a backup quarterback to Tom Brady when he was here. So there is that uh piece to things so sad news uh in patriots world uh he also was with the ravens i think at one point and there was another team he was with which i can't remember he was actually coaching high school football yeah. uh recently so kind of some sad news uh coming out of all of that and oh one other interesting tidbit of sports news this weekend the first ever street race for nascar they're going to be racing around the, sh- the streets of chicago so a road course okay. in the streets of Chicago, in the Windy City, NASCAR. There you go. Weird. And I bring I bring a little bit of everything to the sports reports. A little bit of everything. Oh, um, and if, uh, NBA draft. Uh, Celtics got um, what the hell was his name? Kind of a steal in the draft too. Jordan something. Oh, uh, Walsh. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I know nothing about the like unless you're like at the top like 
five players. I, I probably don't know who you are. No. Like, I don't follow college ball nearly close. Really, at all. I, I watch some occasional games. That's as close as I watch college ball. Sometimes. I love watching March Madness. That's yeah. fun. I like watching the tournament games because you always get those upsets and those crazy moments and you kind of get... See, that's again why I'm excited for sports gambling to get its act together in Maine because I'm also terrified because... I want to make plenty of bets on March Madness and go crazy during the process. That's why it's called March Madness. Uh, John Collins traded from the Hawks to the Jazz. That was uh, one of the biggest trades of the week. I mean, uh, I guess the draft, yeah. Uh, Oh, well, there was... Victor Webbanyama obviously went to the Spurs. But the big one... Yeah, let's just tear me old heart out. No more Marcus Smart. Yeah, there's past Przingis though. There was a lot of uh, leading up. It was like watching like Shams tweet. He's like, there's going to be a three-team deal and... uh, Celsius going to get Porzingis, and uh, Brogdon's going to be traded away. And then they couldn't get a doctor to Brogdon fast enough to check on uh, his injury that he got um, during the playoffs last year. And there's been like conflicting stuff about how Brogdon's arm is doing. It's like some people are saying, oh, it's really bad. And some people are saying, like, oh, no, he's just literally just rest and he'll be fine. And there's others. Like, it has to be surgery. Like, no one really knows. Mm-hmm. But then because they couldn't get a doctor to him, that fell apart because there was a midnight deadline uh, based on Porzingis' contract. So that falls apart at like 1130. At about 11, like, 48. They're like, okay, new trade. Yes. Marcus Smart is gone. He's gone. Gone, baby, gone. Going out to Memphis. And the Celtics are getting two first-round picks and uh, Porzingis, who I don't love. But he's in Boston. Yeah. It's like, I don't dislike him. And for big men that were going to be kind of available on the market, he's a a pretty good player get some people like really love it i don't really love it he's kind of like a cr- much crappier Jokic, as close as i can kind of equate his game but he's also one of those guys who's who likes to be the number one option and on this team he's gonna be like at highest the number three option so we'll, we'll see what that does i also don't uh get a good sense that he's the best team player so I, I don't know how that's gonna gel i guess we'll have to wait and see but i mean the reports coming out it's like yeah the boston's gonna be um make at least one more big move so we'll see losing smart sucked really liked him yeah he was a, he was a quintessential hard-working guy but he was also like kind of told like you're gonna come in and be the point guard but really never had the point guard responsibilities no, and duties a, and yeah because uh when he came in uh there isaiah thomas was there and then Kyrie, and then kemba and now i mean the starting point guard at this stage of the game is going to be Derek white who i love but i don't know if i love him as a starting point guard so yeah we got this big man but now i feel like we have a hole in the point guard position because now it's like white brogdon and pritchard and i mean I think Derek white is probably safe but like brogdon and pritchard could get traded off and i don't know so that's like great we got a big man that was a whole ah crap now we need a point guard mm. so i don't know I, I i didn't love the move I, I woke my wife up at midnight i'm like smart's gone she's like no he's not I'm like yeah it just happened then like half an hour later i'm just watching tv and i hear i can't sleep because you told me that well aren't you a jerk <laughs> and then the next day she's like if the name came up she's like i don't want to talk about it wait a minute i have a theory now i think she purposely sabotaged your uh dehumidifier because you left her up all night <laughs> with the marcus smart news i think that's why she forgot to connect the hose into the sump pump well <laughs> yeah that was just a little bit of a passive-aggressive inconvenience. Oh, yeah? Take this. Yeah. Wake yeah. me up at night. I'm going to flood your workout area. You jerk. Yeah, it was it was a surprise trade. I mean, Smart's been on the chopping block a bunch of times before, but that actually went through. Well, longest tenured Celtic, nine years. Shows that Brad Stevens is willing to make some moves here to try and improve the team just that much more. Just wasn't at the coaching position. I know. It's like that first deal, like I wouldn't have had it. It's like I like Brogdon. I like him quite a bit, but it's like, losing him getting poor zingas i would have gone like okay 
but it's like, yeah. okay, now we're going to take Marcus Smart, <laughs> and you get poor Sigus. I'm like, uh, oh, oh. Yeah, it kind of fell apart. Mm. I, I think that's the end of uh, basketball talk. That's the end of sports reports in general. All right. For this week. It's not the end of the segment ever. All right, going to move on from there. It's time to talk television, all kinds of TV. Going to talk Secret Invasion. Again, full spoilers on this. Time codes down below if you want to jump around. Uh, we'll dive into episodes one and two. So you're saying the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers? Nope, we're screaming at streaming. So let's not waste another minute. Settle in, sharpen your pencils, and check this out. Well, at least the main thing people are talking about with this show is the content and the quality. Yes? No. Not even a little. Almost the entire conversation is around the use of AI to create the opening credit sequence. Really? I did not know that. Really? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. that. I mean, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I guess depending on what world you're living in. Yeah, that that's all anyone was talking about was this is the first like major use of AI in like a major studio thing. And literally the entire credit sequence was done. And people say like well it's that's not entirely true because there was a company and a staff who had to like at least like create like some base images for the ai uh, to work off of but okay let's say that's fine uh that whole crew to create this was seven people compared this to i think the number is uh, uh for black widow whatever some other thing uh, okay. whatever some other opening credits thing 19 people so 19 to 7 is still a dip and it's also just that first like dipping your toe and going like how much can we get away with? And everyone was pissed. Like, no one liked it. And that also kind of coincides and reinforces what part of the writer strike is with the use of AI in yeah. writing. Just a personal kind of funny timing is um, a couple nights before uh, the first episode dropped, um, I was watching Vertigo with my wife. And I was like, oh, yeah, getting ready for the so Saul Bass opening credits. She's like, who the hell knows the name of the guy doing the opening credits other than you? It's a a lot of Hitchcock fans know that Saul Bass did a lot of that stuff, but yes, but I would say you're in rarefied <laughs> air. But then, like, like two days later, like the entire internet was screaming about opening credits. I'm like, see, it's not just me. Is that the same Bass of Rankin and Bass? I know. Oh, all right, just checking. But yeah, so I mean, that's what everyone's talking about, and I guess I'd be surprised to see this repeated at least anytime soon because like that was literally the entire conversation it wasn't about the quality the content anything else the entire conversation the fact they killed off a quasi you know minor character yeah i mean people are pissed about that which i don't really understand like she deserved better i'm like that's it was kind of the point that it's just supposed to be random and terrible yes like not everyone has to go out like a hero's death yeah but yeah the ai thing i mean yeah kind of weird and creepy like like you just again you see that just dipping your toe in yeah and people did not like it apparently not uh the show wasn't doing great either ratings wise hmm. as far as um premieres go the only show that did the only uh, marvel show that's done worse than this so far at least on like disney plus i'm not counting like the netflix stuff or like agents of shielding and that uh, the only show below this is miss marvel really as far as premiere episode streaming, and again, we've talked about that before. I think a lot of what happened with Miss Marvel, aside from you know the racism and sexism, is that it was released day and day with Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes, which I think just mass mass audiences were probably going to dive into that first anyway. Mm. So yeah, not it's not off to a good start. Um, also, the streaming day is saying uh, the majority of the people that wa- that are watching this does come uh, to black households, which I mean that doesn't overly surprise me. Mm. I so this is what six episodes, right? Yep. I think my problem with it is that it's an hour long. Like, I don't know. It just feels like 
I watched both episodes today. So it was like sitting down watching a movie, essentially. Yeah. And so, I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. I think there are a couple of things that are going to work for it. But you can also totally see why, like, when Secret Invasion happened in the comics, like, you just don't know anything about anyone in this. Like, it's that I can't trust anybody at all throughout all of this because you don't know who's a scroll and who's not. And so... I think that's unique in that you don't know. Yeah, like the, the old comic tagline for this was, uh, who do you trust? Yeah. So you really can't tell like who to trust. Like In the beginning, Martin Freeman's character, Skrull, did not expect that fully. I, I would be surprised if, I bet it was, this is just a guess, like, that he's done. Like I bet it was just someone impersonating him. But the only reason I, like, because they set him up to have um, like that whole connection with uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's character, yeah, in Black Panther, and like with her, like we know that she's coming back for a couple of things. So to set like the stage for that up, and then to just be like, ah, oh, no, he's a scroll the whole time. So I doubt that he's gone. No, I don't think that, that his character was a scroll, or maybe he was. Could have been, but yeah. like the idea that they like set him up so specifically in Black Panther, it's like okay, these there's gonna be something like back and forth between these two in the future. And so I, I doubt that that was like the only version of him out there, but we'll see. No, but I, again, it's I think it's it's a it messes with your mind to think like okay, who is and isn't like the scene and with with the bombing in Russia, like there are multi like there's two Nick Furies walking around and. The you know the shape shifting of the scrolls. I wonder how different the show would be if it was being written right now versus when they were in it. Because all this stuff, like they filmed all of this a year ago, so it was in production like well yeah. before a year. And do you think with the uh, current political climate, we would be getting uh, this exact version of this story if it were being written today? Probably not. Versus like a year, a year and a half ago to two years. No, it's extremely charged in that regard. And I not intentionally. No, 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 no. I mean, we all none of us are really loving Putin two years ago, but now it's like mm, Jesus. Well, I think people are like, I think that it's not like advocating that Russians are bad. It's just you know, it is playing on the geopolitical tensions that it do exist. Like you know, do you guys remember it, the Cold War? We're back, baby. Wasn't there a line there about the cold, keeping the Cold War from heating up, or is it something else? Maybe it sounds familiar. I don't know, but I there's. I think we're going to learn a couple of interesting things. Like, Nick Fury, not well health-wise. No, I I like that they're kind of, like, he's been a dude who's, uh, all we've ever seen him is, like, in full control. And a lot of these scenes, he's not in control. And I like that they gave him PTSD. Mm-hmm. I also think it's very funny that, like, my wife was talking about this. She's like, you don't think that's real? I'm like, no, I know. That they gave him a punch. He's just definitely just wearing something under his clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, I'm like, Sam Jackson's, like, in his 70s now. Like, he's not going to be, like, Christian Bale gaining and losing weight. Like and like for his age, he is a very trim, very fit man. Oh yeah. So I just think it's very funny that they just like stuck this. It's not like a huge gut, but like it's like you have a paunch now. Do you think it's a real beard <laughs> or a fake beard? Fake. Definitely. Okay, because it looked it does not look very real to me. Yeah, I mean, they, so they you know threw on a big old bushy beard and they just have him wearing something under his shirt to give him a paunch, I, <laughs> which I think is very funny. I will say though that I love Samuel L. Jackson is one of my favorite actors, and some of his line deliveries are great. Like. I'm Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, but I loved it. <laughs> I was like, that version of Rhodey has to be a scroll, right? I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's something the internet is leaning into very heavily. Is like, it's Rhodey was he's been a scroll all along. One, I don't think he's been a scroll all along because he has that Armor Wars movie coming out. Yes. So I kind of like he might be in this. 
something um i think it just comes with how many movies and how big these casts are is like but i've really enjoyed the roadie scenes and he's like such a character like he's been in this since iron man he's been in this since 2010 and if you oh, yeah. string together every scene he's ever been in and all the all the movies he's been in maybe 15 minutes total maybe 20 yeah it's just crazy though like how long he's been around and like you think of him in all these movies but the reality is he's not been in a lot of it he's yeah he's barely there and we know literally nothing about this yeah, guy this is tony stank like what's his what's up with his family life we don't know anything like my other suit is made of titanium so this is a tremendous discount so i did think it was um kind of funny is like we go into this with like roadie and fury talking and they're playing it off like oh man like these old like friends and they have all this history they have never shared a scene together no they really haven't have they they nope not one uh the only thing that they've had i think there was uh the one shot like at tony stark's funeral where they show like the entire cast yeah and uh they're maybe fury i don't remember in age of ultron if fury had a line of like oh like i know he says like oh we got this helicarrier from an old friend and then like roadie shows up in the war machine outfit like did they maybe like have a line or two interacting where but they're like they're not on screen together even if they did and if they did interact it's maybe two lines yeah i don't even think that happened i don't remember but so so it's just funny to watch them like we're all we have all this like old history we haven't seen one second of that the one thing i will say about this and i thought about it as i was watching it today nick fury has tremendous plot armor here because he's going to be in the mar in the marvels movie and that has to take place after this yeah and he's gonna be back up on saber so like there's a significant amount of plot armor i don't i'm curious to know what this does to drive the marvel cinematic universe forward but it's definitely the one of the more darker shows that exist uh, how did you feel about the maria hill death i was like uh, i thought for a minute it was gonna she was gonna be a scroll and yeah. then like oh no she's not i was like well i mean there could still be a fake out there could be a fake out they've done so many fake out deaths in the mcu it's like you gotta have some of these stick yes i think she's dead yeah me too it's i think just this just comes down to volume and like there's a part of me that's like kind of glad that the show isn't doing like crazy numbers because i know like james gunn talked about this like in his Mm. dc announcement videos like just because the thing is there doesn't mean that you need to do it and like he wants to be like selective with what's coming out and like make it have purpose and we feel like especially like since disney plus happened and a lot of the stuff i've liked i haven't liked all of it but it's just it's a deluge and so if like stuff starts you know falling off numbers wise that you're probably going to see a little less of it and maybe be a little more selective because at this point like maria hill died and i was just saying there i'm like okay like i it didn't have an emotional reaction to it like that character's been around since the first avengers movie but she's kind of been like She's been a peripheral character for the most part. Like, yeah, but st- like I shouldn't, my reaction shouldn't be, okay, that's great. What's next? No, but I mean. Let's I slow think, down that production a little. I also think like your reaction can't be, oh my God, no, not her. It's, you know, I think it's somewhere in between like, oh wow, this, you know. Again, if the Marvel's movie wasn't coming out, I think that you would believe more in the stakes of what's going on with, you know, potentially Nick Fury's health. Because, I mean, he's walking around like he's been beat up and he's got that little wheeze going, but he's got plot armor. So, but I do like, I did like that that kind of reinforced, like, there are some legitimate stakes in that, you know. I like that torture scene. That was funny. She's good. Oh, she was hilarious. She's got a big old smile on her face. Like, look, I just got to chop that finger off. Yeah. I was like, what? I um, I did enjoy that that uh, took place in a meatpacking factory because you walk in and there's just a bunch of cows hanging. I'm like, oh, cows and squirrels. I get you references. That is clever. Do you think she's a scroll? No. She's just a badass woman. I mean, we'll see. There's something that I like about the show. I'm curious what the bait and switch is going to be because I know that we've um, been graphic. Is that his name? Yes. The 
supposed villain. Yeah, there's there's gonna be someone else. There's gonna be some twist along the way. Like there's like I'm not I'm buying that he is this villain. I also like that I buy his motivations. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Yeah, he just wants a home for his people. Yeah, and it's like it's not being done, and he's watching like humanity kill themselves around him. And yeah, obviously you get to tie into like a bunch of stuff about like xenophobia and racism, which you know it, it's so it's incredibly surface level, but it works. Maybe Talos turns on everybody. Maybe he's the mastermind behind it all. He could be. Maybe he's pissed. Maybe he's pissed at Fury. He's like, I had to take things to my own hands. Yeah, you promised me and you didn't do it, so now I'm going to pull some puppet strings. And you disappeared. Yeah, because he's still got to do that. He still has to have that meeting with, um, I almost said Przingis, but that's not the guy. The bad guy-ish guy. Why can't I think of his name right now? We just said it. Oh, Gavik or something. Yeah, Gravik. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't know what's happening with um, Amelia Clark's character yet. Like, that's still very much up in the air. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely going to see some little twists and turns. Although, I will say both episodes have ended with nice little twists. The fact that Mick, Nick Fury, married to a scroll. Like, I don't know why, but the name Mick, Fur- Mick Fury is so much worse than Nick Fury. Did I say Mick Fury? You did it first. It makes it sound oh. like it's a McDonald's special. Uh, a Mick Fury. Get, well, like a Mick come on Flurry. down. Get yourself a Mick Fury. That's like an angry sandwich. It punches you. <laughs> and tells you its name. Yeah. I'm Mick Fury, bitch. Slap. I did like him taking that that guard down. Mm. Like that looked very smooth and cool. Yes, I'm Nick Fury. If you want, I'm out. I'm in. The best thing he could. You got to imagine there's gonna be an outtake somewhere where he's trying to crack Don Cheadle. Like I'm Nick Fury. Even when I'm out, I'm in, motherfucker. I mean, for the first two Bitch. episodes, that's that was probably my favorite scene so far. And it's just two dudes sitting down and talking. It's like this, you know, show about like you know espionage and action and aliens my favorite scene is just two dudes sitting down with no one else around them just having a chat yep it works two good actors yeah two good actors applying their craft or even uh, the scene on the train i really like too oh, that was yeah the re- the revelation that there are hundreds of scrolls on the planet a million a million, million. A million. but I, I know that like it's very men in black like well, that uh, Nick Fury like had that whole speech like in Winter Soldier with like Steve Rogers like doing the same thing like I'm going to tell you a hi- story about my history but it's going to tie into this and blah 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 so you know I like a good uh, Samuel Jackson monologue mm. I'm I'm not loving this show but I'm not disliking it either again I think it's just mostly I'm feeling oversaturation could be I mean we're just through the first act like physically like numbers wise yeah six episodes we're two episodes in it really kind of is the end of the first act but we still haven't we're still in that rising action yeah. All the players are getting set, and I also i I was laughing out loud during the first episode. I was just like, "You don't need to say it. I know. I get it." When Amelia Clark's like, "Oh yeah, we have to. We keep our faces on because it's easier for us, like in the long term, to be out there." I'm like, "Oh, you mean so the actors can get more screen time? And you don't have to pay for those effects?" Mm-hmm. Love that we have an in-universe explanation. Yes, <laughs> which I just I just started laughing. You'll see a lot, like like they transform in the background when it's blurry or it, like cuts away, like just yeah. in time. I'm like, "Look at those money saving." Gurgling noises are easier than computer images <laughs> i mean the show looks good but you can definitely see parts where they're like trying to hide or save on their budget i do think that this story well it would have been a it could have made a good movie i think again i've said before like these six six to ten episode shows are able to tell like a little bit longer it feels more feels more comic booky than the movies I also wish this show had come out later because they're going to introduce the Super Scrolls in this. I mean, Scrolls are primarily a Fantastic Four thing, but the Super Scrolls especially, like the first uh, one that you ever see and gets reused for a lot of the Super Scrolls is it's a scroll who has like all the shapeshifting, all the other stuff, but also has all the powers of the Fantastic Four in one. So they're doing this different like, oh, we got a little bit of Groot in there so we could do like the stretchy bits like it's Reed. Oh, we. Um, well, there was that computer screen that yeah, it's, showed it's, those. 
Or they there? Oh, there was Cullobsidian in there. He was uh, one of Thanos's yeah. like big generals. They had Extremis in there. It's like, oh, we can't do the Human Torch, but we could do the thing where they were able to like shoot fire. Mm. So like they're finding these workarounds to get it close to the Fantastic Four. Like, okay, was Groot but, ever in the Fantastic Four or just no? No, they say they got a piece of Groot from when he was on Earth. Ah, and uh, the trailer did shows uh, Gravik using like a stretchy power, which you can like see how they they're going like the Groot kind of visual of him like stretching his arms out. Mm. But it bums me out a little bit. It was like, also like Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they're going with like the powers of the Fantastic Four. I don't, don't know how they're going to do like Sue-ish powers or if they do Sue ones at all. Because the other one was like Frost Giant or something. It was a Frost Giant. Yes. Yeah. You, you know, those invisible Frost Giants. It happens. So I mean, that kind of, you know, it's like, oh, man, like I wish they got to use like the Fantastic Four for this. So I wish this had come out uh, a little bit later, but whatever. Small amount of bitching. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah. That's probably it for that one. Ready to move on. Star Trek. Strange New Worlds. Measure of a Man, 2023. God damn it. What's my joke? Uh, the whole time I was watching, I'm like... It's my first note. Um, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, this is Measure of a Man. <sighs> yeah, it is. I mean, Star Trek is known for its uh, trial episodes. Like, the original series had one. Obviously, the biggie is Measure of a Man, which I will argue is the first good episode of uh, Next Generation. What, The Naked Now was in it for you? Took a while for that show to get good. Took about a season and a half. Uh, what was the, the name of the one where Tashi Yar dies? That's after... Data's trial, though. I can't remember. No, she dies before. Oh, she dies before, but it was like... Because that's when he brings out the little cube. Oh, that's right. He's like, look at this lady I boned. Mm. That makes me a man. <laughs> He's fully functional <laughs> and trained in multiple techniques. Oh, God. Yeah, this this is just a new measure of a man. Except The, the stuff I, I like about this one, I like that they wrapped it up, uh, this storyline pretty quickly. We weren't like spending a lot of time with like, oh, will she ever come back to the Enterprise? Well, we know good and well she will. So I like that it was just in, out, like we did it fast, which mm-hmm. I like. But what I don't like is that, like, unlike Measure of a Man, where you have, like, changed minds and, like, it's this whole real thing and there's a real internal struggle, <laughs> this one gets off on a technicality. Yeah. it's Like, like that's less interesting. Yeah. Oh, by the way, there's this subclause that um, you can have asylum. Yeah. But it took a long way to get around there. It's like, and through this and through this and through this and through this and aha, a technicality. I guess she can go back to being in Starfleet. It also shits all over the Prime Directive. Yeah. Like, like often people don't follow the prime directive constantly yes constantly i don't even know why that thing's there <laughs> well it's, if it wasn't there then what would picard talk about the number of times that he messed with the prime directive a lot yeah quite a few remember that time that they found a planet of native americans and relocated all of them i do remember that that's bad episode in that's a lot of ways not a good episode <laughs> that was a later one too like they should have known by then mm. and then they just did the same thing in insurrection and Picard's like, how could you relocate these people? I'm like, motherfucker, you just did it. You did, yes. Like, not that long ago. Jordy, make lightning. Make a storm. <laughs> the storms have returned. Worf has made the storms go away. Oh, God. Um, obviously, I like that we get more Pike in this one now that he's kind of back from his paternity leave. Yes. Probably wasn't that long. Cause he's just in the next episode. It's like, here I am. Yeah, well. But I enjoy him. All I'm doing is just looking at that hair, though. Some good ass hair. It, better than yours. I was out for my walk and there was a downpour. Fair enough. I like that you're starting to trim up your mustache and it's not the weird wannabe handlebar anymore. I appreciate that. No, the mustache is going away. I respect that even more now. You tried it. Well, no, because um, we're going to go to um, uh, Comic-Con next month and there's a ton of people there. Like, I'm super excited to see. Like, oh, so you want to look good in the pictures? For, no, I, I never pay for the pictures. I don't do any of that shit. Okay. I, you just want to no. look presentable? Well, the way I put it to my wife, she was so excited. I'm like, I don't look like an idiot in front of people I respect. Wow. There's so many jokes, and I'm not not touch any of them. Just had it for you this whole time. Thank you. Thank you very much. No respect. Very Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I know. 
Let me adjust my tie quickly. No respect. No respect. Are you going to at least get a haircut? No. No? You can put some product in it? Probably. Okay. There you go. I'm just freewheeling today because I was just out in a goddamn rainstorm. Well, it's every day. I don't know why it's so special today. I had a window. I'm like, ooh, we have enough time to sneak a walk in. That's not true. There's no windows of good weather here anymore. Can we talk about, oh yeah, measure of a man. I'd like to measure some sunshine out there. That's what I'd like, but... Also, this was bugging me all since last week that I forgot to mention it. The, in the, the first episode of the season, we see Spock, how he gets his stupid little loot. Yes. <laughs> like, ah, there's the dumb loot. Found a way to bring it in. It was just so, like, afterwards, like, ah, crap, I forgot to mention the stupid little loot. I did like the scene where they're in the, like, the 10 forward, the bar area, and he's like, he walks over, he's like, sorry you had to see that outburst. It was <laughs> just two people having a casual conversation. I, that was funny. He brings out the worst in me. <laughs> Like you were just standing, you're sitting there having a conversation with this man. Yeah, that was a strong opener. Yes, it was good seeing him in there. And I mean, I'm excited for next week. We're going to get time travel, and Kirk's going to be in there. Mm. Some good old classic Trek. Whatever. I mean, th- this was a really solid episode, but it it, it does alt- like and even going on Twitter, it's like what's trending? Measure of a man. I'm like, oh, so I wasn't the first person to think about this, huh? No, and I clearly <laughs> thought of it the whole time too. <laughs> yeah. So. But it was well executed for the most part, I thought. Another solid episode. Yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I'm really excited for next week. I mean, Christ, enjoy the show. Yeah. I mean, apparently watch it, because sometimes there'll be a Star Trek show, and they'll just be like, oops, it's gone now. Mm. I did like the um, who's flying the ship the thing practically flies itself. It's a good line. All right. That's it for that. Hey, it's been 30 years. So we're going to jump back. No, we're going to go back in time to Jurassic Park. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. It's time for an Editor's Note podcast review. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Here's the challenge with this movie when it comes to conversation. Yes? And I, I, I mean, I have notes and whatnot. I, was, I told you going, it's like, I'm going to try and challenge myself to come up with anything negative to say about this movie. And uh, I basically don't have anything. I think it, it's the damn near perfect movie. <laughs> and I mean, this movie came out in a run of like Steven Spielberg was the guy in Hollywood. Like he was the big name actor. Well, I, mean, I, I was th- going to bring this up later, but for me, it's kind of interesting because this is almost the end of like, I mean, not that everything he did was a hit, but like some of that stuff just like is going to stand the test of time is going to go down in history. as like one of the greatest directors of all time. But in my, I still enjoy his stuff like the Fableman's uh, his last one. Did, I really liked that. But like I've seen almost all of his stuff. I'm never going to watch the Twilight Zone movie because of that whole uh, child decapitation thing. Mm. That, that's just a no, no for me. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. That wasn't his uh, segment, but you, you get the idea. Yeah. But like the nineties did have like, he has this. And then he has Schindler's List. Same year. Yeah, he was making both movies at the same time. And then a yeah. um, couple years down the line, uh, we get Saving Private Ryan. And then since then, so since 98, I have liked a lot of his stuff, but none of them, to me, since 98, feel like a stone-cold classic. I'm trying to think of, uh, Ready Player One was a Spielberg. I hated that movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other movies that he's done since then. But like... I, BFG, I didn't like that one either. Mm. I mean, obviously, like... Uh, Indiana Jones 8, uh, West Side Story, uh, Tintin. I think, like, the other thing, too, about... War Horse Lincoln. About Jurassic Park, for me, it was, like, in the 90s, like, like, through the 90s, really. And, like, it started... Maybe, for me, it started to feel like it faded away in, like, the, like, late 2000s, before we got to, like, the 2010s. Like, the summer blockbuster. Like, Jurassic Park was, like... You had the movie. Well, he you has had... the first movie. Jaws is credited as being the first blockbuster. Yeah. So he's literally the guy that made it. But like, it was also like, it was revolutionary on so many levels. Like, think about all of the other pieces that went with those summer movies. Like, 
they had the like the couple of summer blockbusters, but they had like the big song that was going to be a hit on the radio. You had the toys at McDonald's that went along with it, like the collector's glasses, things like that. Like Batman had those things. Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that was like 90, 92, 93, 94, somewhere in that area. Like had that, you know, had the, the big. Stop slapping the couch. Why are you just slapping Sorry, the couch? Sorry, I'm just slapping your couch. Yeah, what, Brian Adams, Sting, Rod just Stewart getting together. Yes. I'm just, it gets me excited because it's nostalgia. But this movie also really was a game changer when I was watching it back. How much those computer effects still hold up. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's unbelievable. When I think about, as far as like, we're talking like technological movies, like the movie who made the most technological advancements of all time, King Kong, hands down, no one's ever top on that as far as what it did like for technology in film. When I think about like, what's the next movie that was just like... What, you're not going to say Wizard of Oz with the introduction of color? It wasn't the first color movie. No, but I mean, it was vibrant color. wasn't the first... But I'm saying like, you're saying that color movie, not... Eh, that that was something that was going to happen one way or another. Yeah, but the fact that it could happen. If, then if, what I think, I mean, yes, there's stuff that happened in between, but it's like, if I go like, what are our huge leaps? Kong? And then I say probably like the next, like number two, Jurassic Park. Oh, 100%. 100%. Like the scene with the herding dinosaurs that are running, yeah, all computer generated, but it just, they don't feel or look computer generated. What's crazy about that, uh, so Spielberg, when they were doing that, he's like, we're only going to do this if I can move the camera in the shot. Like, we're not going to lock it down. Yeah. Which, when you're doing that for, like, you know, not the first movie to have CGI. The first one was Adventures of Young Sherlock Holmes, like a stained glass creature. It it looks like shit. It looks like the first one. (laughs) The Page Master also had some of that, too. Yeah. Page Master. Christopher Lloyd's in that. So is Patrick Stewart. That's a good point. King Arthur, wasn't he? He was, um, like, adventure fantasy guy. Yeah. Something like that. That was like kind of King Arthur. But yeah, I mean the the combination of the effects, like the mix of the practical and the CG. And I think in total, this is going off an old memory, I think there's only seventeen minutes of actual dinosaurs in this. Mm. But I mean, looking at what they were doing with the technology, like that full size like T Rex animatronic. So, oh yeah. So I guess the way that worked is like they were ready to go and like I guess Spielberg like right before they were gonna film, he's like kind of want to do this in the rain. It's like, the, uh, what was it, Stan Winston's company? He's like, what's going to happen if we put this thing in the rain? And they're just like, we don't know. <laughs> We're about to find <laughs> out. And I get, you, there's footage of it. Like, it, it never broke or anything, but like, it started to shake, like all over, like every bit of it was just mm-hmm. like going. So you could like, see, like in between takes, they kill the rain and like, there are all these crew members just like, it's taller than everyone, clearly. All yeah. these crew members are just like running out with towels, just like whipping it, trying to dry it off. <laughs> <laughs> so it stops shaking and doesn't break. Mm. That's such a good sequence, though. There's so many good... There's just, like, scene after scene of just, like, insanely good sequences. I mean, I will say, having... I like... This is my one favorite thing. I can always tout that I've read the book that you haven't read. Yeah, look at you, you big nerd. Yeah. All your book reading. <laughs> there are some... I will say there are some... I'm going to bully pretty, you for some lunch money. Uh, wow, okay. What lunch money? I don't get paid from this show. The book. There are some significant departures from the book as far as who lives, who doesn't live... And some other pieces to it, but the the chaos theory, chaos theory is kind of like the the central theme of the book, mm-hmm. and it's touched on just a little bit in the um, in the movie in that one scene with Ian Malcolm in the in the SUV and the droplet of water. Yep. But in the book, like every chapter starts with like a different like there's a picture of a fractal and it keeps breaking down and down and down and down. So I mean, but I mean, I clearly I read the book after I had watched the movie. Like, so, like, you have that preconceived, like, yeah. vision of it. But it's a relatively decent adaptation of the book. 
because Michael Crichton was a, got credited with the screenwriting, I think on yep, it. Yep, he on, did. Yeah, so or he, he was one of two writers, I think. Yes, so there were some some changes, but I mean, there's so many memorable characters, so many memorable lines from the movie. It's funny on the rewatch, like I know, like I get famous line, like spare no expense, like in my yeah. brain, because I haven't watched this movie, like it hasn't been that long, but you know, long enough. In in my brain, I'm like, oh, he says that once. I was no, mistaken. He says, says it about it 20 times. <laughs> like, stop saying that. Yes. You want a negative? There's my negative. Stop saying that line. They had no expense. So there were some things, like, when you think about the movie, like the scene with Mr. DNA cartoon. Yeah. Does John Hammonds have to be there for every single time somebody goes through because, like, oh, John, that hit. Like, does he have to so, yeah, be that, there for that? He's, like, his memorizing job. his lines. Like, he has to be there for every... Yes, that's uh, his job now. Yeah, the understudy, the part for... Spared no expense. Spared no expense. But like so that like that's one piece or the fact that they can like break out of it to get into the secure bio lab. There's also I think a misspelling in the um cryogenics lab of like one of the different dinosaurs. I I know that it's entirely fictional and totally specious, but it's just believable enough with oh, the yeah. science I go, okay, I can see this. Oh yeah. That's the thing, is like you really don't need a ton of suspension of disbelief that this would happen. I mean, there's things like T-Rex doesn't know if you can move based on movement or not. Like, if you're moving, like, how the hell would you know that? Like, you can't just tell that from bones. You you can't, right? So so that little, like, adding those little nuances into that. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm not a paleontologist. No. I don't know. You're not even a meteorologist. I'm not even, I'm not even a ologist of anything. <laughs> but some of the other lines, like, do you think, when the um, Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Such a great line. The only one on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Shoot her, obviously. Shoot her. Clever girl. I love it. Something. Uh, I mean, you, you could... think they'll have that on the tour? <laughs> Must go faster. Must go faster. Something I love about this movie that you really can't duplicate now is like you're not going to have a movie like like because now we've seen so much. Like you can't do like the slow reveal of like a brontosaurus. It's going to like rock everyone's world now. Yeah. You can't have like not. I'm never bored of this movie, but you can't have like this level of like pacing. No. Or, like, how far apart, like, the action scenes are. Like, none of this shit would fly now. Like, I'm just, with what audiences expect, with uh, what studios expect audiences to expect with all that stuff. Like, it's this wonderful little, like, time capsule. And I'm also so impressed that, like, sure, throw your alternates for me. But, like, for Spielberg, there is one good shark movie out there. Mm-hmm. There is one good dinosaur movie out there. You fucking cornered the market. Yes, because also for this, um, like after we watched this, my wife had never seen. I'm like, screw it, let's throw on Lost World. Like, not as good. Not I have nearly I, as good. I, that one I haven't seen in considerably longer since I last saw this, and I was like, I'm, you know what? I know, going into it with an open mind, going into it with an open mind, the open mind went away real fast. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, this is not a good movie. There's a couple of good sequences in there, like the two T Rexes are awesome, mm-hmm. and I kind of like the chase in San Francisco at the end, but it's about it. Jeff Goldblum is good. At, like he was also like good in it too. Like. There was some, you know, him, Sam Neill was really good. Samuel L. Jackson, again, it's a big Samuel L. Jackson week. Hold on to your butts. And just, it's so funny because this is like the year before Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. So this is like right before he explodes. And he's good in this. It's just so funny. Like, he's the biggest star mm-hmm. in that movie and as the, like the smallest role. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, because his arm. Yeah. I love, he's able to go, dinosaurs ate me. Always um, is the Chappelle thing as Samuel L. Jackson. Dinosaurs ate me. Sharks ate me. <laughs> Man does not do well against large creatures. No, apparently not. Uh, just and something probably happened to him in that King Kong movie from a few years ago that I can't remember what his fate was. No, probably not good. S- something else probably ate him. Yes. 
but the ability for Spielberg, like one of the things he's always done really well, I thought, I think, is his ability to create tension, to to create suspense, to create like like you said, his ability for like reveals. Like we don't see the T Rex first. What we see are like the water rippling to get like, okay, this is a big big dude coming. And apparently, um, that was they had all kinds of issues with that. Like that was like one of the hardest effects for them to not. Not to pull off, but to figure out. Yeah. What it ended up being is um, playing a guitar, mm-hmm. and that's what made the ripple effect. So um, the guitar is built in underneath that dashboard. Yeah. So they like they hit a certain, I don't know if it was a chord or a note or whatever, and that's what creates that ripple. But the same thing, like later in the movie, like the, the thud of the T-Rex walking in the big footprint in the mud. Yeah, I love that shot. That's such a cool shot. Just... You know, the lawyer getting eaten off the um, toilet. The toilet. It's a great scene. So I was, this was something. Also, why would you have a bathroom? Like, who's that bathroom for? If the door locks on the cars work, why is there a bathroom there outside the T-Rex paddock? As a man who often tries to clock where the nearest accessible toilet is, I'm glad that they have them. But you technically aren't supposed to be able to get out of those vehicles because. I will find a way. Life will find a way. (laughs) Yes. Well done. I brought. I was talking about that scene uh, with my wife, like compared to the Lost World. I'm like, you know, the lawyer gets bitten. He's also there's a shot with them like going in where it's so he's like wearing like a suit top, but he has like these awful like tiny shorts on it. Yes. It looks like he just doesn't have pants. Yeah, it's very funny. But I was like, oh, so like the T Rex eats this one. Guy. It's iconic scene. Like eats this guy off the toilet. Yeah, he dies, but he's kind of a bad guy. Versus you go to the Lost World and they have like those two like caravans going over. Oh yeah. And there's this one guy who's like, hang on, I got this. And he does all the work. He gets like all the ropes, gets them all around the trees, does everything. And that dude gets it worse than anyone. Oh, he gets screwed. And all he was trying to do was help. Like like the yeah. lawyer's like, ha, we don't like him anyway. It's funny that the T-Rex ate him. Then that dude gets ripped in half and like thrown up and eaten. Yeah. And it's like, all he compared to like those two scenes, I'm like, all he did was help. What yeah. happened? Yeah. Where's he going? When you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> Is that heavy? <laughs> yes, then it's expensive. Put it down. Vince Vaughn didn't help at all. No. And Julian Moore's in it. It's like a weird like cast of like people who were like just about to blow up. It's true. It's very true. I mean, and the movie like I think like I said, and you said the movie holds up all these thirty years Shockingly later. Well. Thirty years later. The Unix system not so much, but still. <laughs> like it's hard to find like the other like the other scene where the raptors are chasing the kids through the kitchen. That's a I love that reflection shot. That's oh, so cool. So, so like just boom right off the stage. And I don't steel. hate the kid actors in this. No, I usually hate kid actors. Yeah, I mean Tim should be dead, but still. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Should, Tim should Tim be should have burst into flames. Yeah, that kid ain't living. No, no, he's. And Sam Neil kind of has a weird Brooklyn accent at one point during that, like he's trying to get Tim to come back to life. New Zealand's in. New, yeah, he kind of leaked through, but. Um, who and this has come up in the last couple of years, but it's so funny when you look at certain things. Like there is a twenty-year age difference between uh, Laura Dern and Sam Neill. Yeah, but like because you know, first saw this as a kid, and when you see it as a kid, like your brain just goes, "Oh, they're adults." Like you almost like don't see age mm. differences when you're a kid, so that's still kind of like ingrained in my brain. So even now, I'm kind of squinting. I'm like, "Yeah, I guess he is older." But like when you're a kid, you're just like, "Adults are adults." Yes, like. A 25-year-old and a 45-year-old. There's not a difference in your brain. Well, we're back in the Jeep. <laughs> I just love Ian Malcolm just like constantly hitting on her. Oh, that's, Being like yeah. oblivious. is like, oh, this, um, your, your, your girl. He hadn't gone full globe bloom yet yeah. at this point. That's one big pile of shit. <laughs> I was waiting for you to quote. I should have had this like that time I got to slap you for the Hank Hill line. Because mm. I knew that was coming. Should have written that one down. Nope, but you didn't. So... 
<laughs> I win. Slap free. But the problem is like that one is there's so many quote like you couldn't do that to me because there's so many quotable lines in the that movie. That one I, I knew was I could have guaranteed that one. Well, I mean, they're all such great quotes in that movie. And yeah, that's a great that because that looks so good. Like that effect looks so good. Oh yeah. Or, no, it's I mean it's a bunch of things, but like that animatronic and like how real it is and just how tactile like that Triceratops is. And the minimal difference between the computer generated dinosaur and the practical dinosaur. Like it's hard to see much of a difference between it. Yeah, that's such a solid scene. Really just a great movie. Yeah. Just up and down, man. Like I I was so happy to sit down and watch this again, and then I was so annoyed that I watched The Lost World after it. Like, oh, well, man. that's yeah, you you made a boo-boo there. Well, I'm not like we're stopping here. Like, I'm not watching the rest of these. Like Jurassic World is okay, but every other Jurassic like there's six of them. One of them is amazing and the rest mm-hmm. are ugh, nothing not worth watching no i guess i'll ask your uh, opinion on this yes i think there's some truth to it. Uh, spielberg has not done a lot of sequels in his life and he says he's the reason is he doesn't think he's very good at them so in his career uh, he's done four sequels yeah in total. uh the three indiana jones the lost world yes it's a hard thing to balance because it's like okay yeah three of them aren't great but one of them is also last crusade <laughs> so that kind of balances the scale for me yes it's like, yeah, you had- and we talked about like Temple of Doom's problem was that everyone was angry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see what he's saying, but at the same time, one of those sequels is Last Crusade. One of the best sequels oh, yeah. ever. And really, you the franchise would have ended on a perfect note that way, too. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Um uh, reading iffy reviews. I'm going into this. Oh, I'm going into this hopeful. I like obviously the franchise. I like James Mangold as a director. I'm, go- I'm going in. Here's the vibes. here's the thing that I'm going into it with tomorrow is it's that old Roger Ebert line like you rate the movie based on what you know you're getting into you're not we're not going to Indiana Jones for great narrative and great story we're going for an Indiana Jones picture so it, it it's comparing it to other Indiana Jones pictures I'm you know it's I'm no, excited because that's not like, entirely true because I don't like every Indiana Jones movie I like half of them there are four right now yeah you only like two yeah if this but like we're you're going to it and it's like it's a you're going to see another Saturday serial type movie. Like that's what it is designed to be. Also the fact that George Lucas with Indiana Jones like came up with that character the same time he came up with Star Wars and sat on it for ten years while making Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's probably enough for Jurassic Park on oh, its thirtieth yes. anniversary. No, great movie. Fantastic movie. They spared no expense. Which was a problem that Spielberg had for a long time. All right, gonna move on from there to your questions. Lot of questions, number one. Damn few answers. Here's another one of your letters to the editors. Make it so. If you want to ask us your own questions, you can. Send them into editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. And we are uh, now... I finished off another batch email today. So we're now getting to the point where... Uh, we need to beg for... We're a little thin. So if you want to send something in, be appreciated. Yes. Ask us your questions. Editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. Mm, all right. What do we got? Do you think the future of Star Wars is in movies or TV? <sighs> I think I have a preference. Your preference is movies. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think it depends on what kind of story the story or stories they want to tell. I think you know it'll be it would be interesting to see if they're able to. It's very hard to disassociate a Star Wars movie with the Skywalker saga. It's very difficult to do that without having. I mean, you look at a couple of the. The, the two movies that are outside of the Skywalker saga, they still tie into it. Rogue One, you've got Darth Vader and Princess Leia and how they stole the Death Star plans ties into the Skywalker saga. You've also got, 
you know, with Solo. Solo. You've also got his kind of tie-in to the Empire. You get Chewbacca, and that's a little less oriented toward the Skywalker saga. Which movie did better of the two non-Skywalker saga movies that's better liked? Yeah. It's Rogue One. So I think the problem with Star Wars movies is they have to be tied into those Skywalker, Darth Vader, Jedi themes. Where on the other hand, in the TV shows, those things can exist. I mean, outside of Obi-Wan Kenobi, obviously, which is very much central to that. The stuff in Mandalorian, yeah, you get Luke Skywalker and you get Grogu getting some training. But in general, that can all exist without that like it those things are on the periphery yeah and there's been talk in the book of boba fett I mean, all of the other stuff on the periphery like abantha i mean we there's been talk so many different like this movie gets announced then it gets canceled this movie gets yeah. announced then it gets canceled it's yeah I, I would like them to move away from that but that's not the question the question is is the future of it in movies or tv i i i still like to think of star wars movies as events but i mean the more we get of it the less of an event it is the mm-hmm. more the oversaturation is and i think we're moving away from the event i think i mean aside from just like sheer like hours of viewing i i think for good or else we're gonna get both of them but i feel like especially with um so many recent movies like being hit or miss or like things that people either like love or hate like I feel like we're going to be getting a lot more focus on TV, especially like with um, Dave Filoni and John Favreau doing this thing, and they seem to, you know, being enjoying themselves, and they seem to, at least within Disney, seem to be liked and given a yeah. fair amount of control. I think for at least I don't know the next ten years, or I think the future is probably going to be in television, and then Star Wars will be way less special than it is. But yeah, yeah, I, I think the future of Star Wars is on TV right now, especially when like I mean they can make the stuff look like movie quality. Agreed, and they've got the technology with that dome that they can project things behind them. Yeah. The so, volume, the volume. But I think the like you said, it's a I, yes. The future, I think, generals in TV. But I think again, it has to deal with what kind of story do they want to tell? Because also remember, like Star Wars really lived on from 1980 till what 1999 is when Phantom Menace came out, or 98, yeah, 99. So, 99, so you had a almost 20-year gap between Star Wars movies, but it lived on in books. And, like, people were deep into the books and writing and fan fictiony things that became canon. So, you know, now, instead of writing books, people can write TV shows oh, that I mean, can there, be plugged into canon. There's a and, ton of books are still happening. Oh, yeah. Tons of books. Tons of comics. But I think also on a bigger it it can be a more frequent scale to get something on the screen that's more of a audiovisual medium than a text-based medium. Yeah. I I, would, I wish Star Wars was just movies. I mean for as much like I like the first two seasons of The Mandalorian a lot, but I'm I'm not at the Marvel saturation levels yet, but it's like I there's definite oversaturation here. I mean, at what point, you know, you you run into the law of diminishing returns. At what point is it too much? At what point? A while ago. Yeah, but at what point are you not breaking it? You're not profiting and you're barely breaking even. I think that's the point where we're going to see, okay, maybe we need to pump the brakes on it. But as long as people continue to click on it and it generates clicks and it generates revenue, people there there is a market for people to eat it up. We're trapped. We're trapped forever. That's it, the point. It's a trap. Yeah. All right, that's it. We're done. All right, if you enjoyed the show, go to patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. For a dollar a month, you get the show the day we record it, when we record it on the day we're supposed to, when I don't have other things happening in my life. Really, the show revolves around my life, and then my life revolves around the show. Mm. Look at me trying to pretend to be a martyr when it's all just a facade. 
You're like, oh man, I had to watch a movie this week. Shit. A movie and two TV shows. Mm, tough summer living for me. Yeah. Well, what else am I going to do? It's fucking raining all the time. Anyway, uh, patreon.com slash editors no comics. Day the, the show, the day we record it for a dollar a month. Plus, you get access to things behind the paywall, including Pods of the Dark Tower, episode three. Yeah, that should be out by the time this comes out because I'm actually I'm in the middle of it. Wow. So <laughs> so we've been I'm working on three different podcasts today, okay? What took longer, the flash or th- or episode three of uh Pods of the Dark Tower? Yeah, I'm I'm literally in the middle of editing it. All right, well there you go. So at some point before the end of the summer, yeah. Pod of the Dark Tower episode three. If you're a big Stephen King fan and you like the Dark Tower series, Zach and Emily dive into all things Dark Tower. Uh, plus, you can also interact with the show, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Email us, editorsnotecomics at gmail.com, and you can find Zach on social media. Just look up Editors Note Comics. Yeah. Sometimes I get bewildered about how I'm younger or older than Superman. It's true. You mm-hmm. do do that. You actually tweet more than I do these days. Yes, my once every three days or so. It's more than I do. I did tweet today because I felt an itch to tweet. My tweet was, at least it's a warm rain. <laughs> okay, great. Yes, you're there too. At Junior Rich. Back next week. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it's Indy. Gotta da, talk da, da, Indy, baby. We'll be back then after his final adventure. Bye bye.